friends. Welcome to the Connected Families Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Bellward. Our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth, and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. I'm so glad that you are here today joining us. Today, we are talking about anger. Anger is something that all of us have experienced, and it comes out in all sorts of ways. Parents ask us questions often about how to deal with their own anger and how to help their kids with anger and rage. Well, Lynn and Jim Jackson, co-founders of Connected Families, have written an anger ebook that is free. The link is in the show notes. You can grab that even just right now. Well, today we're going to talk about anger, the brain science, and the biblical perspective, and as always, practical tools to use today, both for yourself and for your children. I'm so glad to invite Jim and Lynn Jackson. Hi, you guys. Hey, good to be here. Hey, Stacy. Good to be with you. Really to cover what has, I think, become a more prominent topic than ever these days. It has. I know, you know, many of our listeners know that I'm the online course moderator for discipline that connects with your child's heart. And I've really seen families struggling with anger themselves. And also they're coming to us asking for help in how to deal with anger and rage in their kids. And do you have any sense, like, is, is it a bigger issue now because of the pandemic? Well, I think it is because anger is usually the overlay over top of anxiety. Anxiety is often the root and then anger makes us feel more in control, less vulnerable. And so it's a quick shift from being anxious about something to being angry. The research has shown that since the beginning of the pandemic, anxiety in children has increased 60% to a level of one in five kids is struggling with significant anxiety. So that is probably indicative of a whole family culture that's more anxious and stressed. And then anger becomes the coping mechanism. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's things, you know, going on around us and in our world that are maybe cause for anger. The whole environment that it seems like has sort of shifted and anger in certain places is validated more than it's ever been. And then I think those folks who are are entering into it tend to carry it with them into the supermarket and into their homes and, you know, wherever the places are, there's, there's anger about the political issues on both sides, about the medical issues on both sides, frustration. And sure, then we go home and it still is, you know, time to try to be efficient and effective and, and get kids off to school or online to school or into bed or fed well, or all the things. I mean, I feel it and we don't have children in the home, you know, but you go out and about and there's just sort of this angsty thing going on in society. And certainly there's lots of bright spots and we look to those and we love ourselves to try to facilitate as many of those as we can. But yeah, anger is kind of a tone of our day these days, Mm -hmm. it seems. There's a lot that's leading to it. Well, as we were preparing for this podcast, we did a very unscientific survey, didn't we, Lynn? (laughs) We sent a survey of sorts to the people in our community on our mailing list and we asked them, what is their experience with anger? What was some of the big learning that we got? Lynn from their responses? Well, just how much this is a huge issue for people. One of the questions was zero to five scale on how frequently do your own angry feelings affect your day-to-day life? And zero was not at all. And five was, it's a really huge, almost constant problem. And over 75% of people were in the middle or higher. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of anger. And there was, there was one quote that I thought was just, it just reminded me of my young days. 
I get irritated by anything and everything, anyone and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, Jim, we, we had a conversation recently, and he goes, yeah, you were really angry a lot in those days. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a tough issue. Right. Well, as we start this conversation about anger, and as I was preparing, I just want to say, I want to give honor to my mom. <laughs> I'm so grateful for her and how she did a lot of hard work to break cycles of anger that were passed on to her. And she modeled apologizing so well when that anger turned into sin and she had sinned against us and she modeled apologizing, but she also modeled what the Bible calls righteous anger. And when my mom would hear of injustice happening, I can remember when, you know, the strip club moved into our small town. She would model what righteous anger is. She would model that when we were all sitting around as a family watching a movie. And there would be some ungodly things, things that were absolutely opposite of what she was working so hard to teach us. She would model unrighteous anger. In fact, Jim and Lynn, I can remember one time when she was so upset by what had been on the TV, she picked the TV up and she threw it out the front door. <laughs> wow. Now that we had a huge front yard and there was nobody in danger, but, but she just threw it out the front door. What was that like for so you when like, that happened? Sounds like Jesus in the temple to me. You know, it does. Well, the funny thing about that is that through my childhood, she got rid of the TV probably three or four times from <laughs> righteous anger, how angry she was about, yeah. you know, what the devil was bringing into our home. And right. my dad was a pastor. And so every time she'd get rid of it, someone from the church would come visit us and feel real bad that the pastor has no TV. Oh. <laughs> Bring us a TV. <laughs> To throw out the door a couple of weeks. So Stacey, I, I actually, I do want to go back because I think that your answer to this might help a little bit. Like, how was that for you? When your mom threw the TV out the door, what do you remember about that? What was that experience like for you through your lenses? I was not afraid. I was not intimidated. It was, there is a foundation in my mom of something that is more important than everything else. And that is God's values and God's system. And to see how the enemy wanted to come in and steal values and truth and his kingdom in our, even in our family and how the enemy was working to do that made her so angry. She would stand up against that. Like a get behind me, Satan moment. Absolutely. People often justified their anger in the story of Jesus when he rebuked Peter, but he didn't rebuke Peter. He rebuked the devil and the devil's mm -hmm. ways. Satan, yep. get behind me. And, you know, I think Peter, like you, understood this expression of anger, which, you know, at first glance could be scary. It could be harmful. It could be traumatizing in a certain sort of a way. But, you know, I'm sure as Peter looked back on that in the same way that you look back on this experience with your mom, you weren't repelled. You weren't scared. You were you were curious, probably. You wondered more like, wow, and and then sort of awakened to what's going on at a, at a larger level. Like, yeah. It sounds like that was for you quite an eye-opening experience. And I think if parents can get to a place and, you know, we're going to dive into this a lot more, but I think if parents can get to a place where 
we understand anger is a is an emotion. It's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. God gave us the emotion of anger to teach us some things, to tell us some things as a way of expressing some things and even expressing things aligned with God's kingdom in us. That's why we have anger. Unfortunately, I think an awful lot of the time, our anger is delivered out of a place, a brain state where, where we're in our fight and flight mode mechanisms. It isn't even a rational expression. It's an irrational expression. We justify the feeling, and maybe we ought to, but then we also justify our actions on the heels of that feeling, which really don't come out of frontal lobe thinking anymore. They come out of fight or flight amygdala mechanisms that are just reactive, are domineering, are controlling, are protective, and are oftentimes ignited, not by our godly logic, but by our fleshly fear. And so then they come out in can we just say it sinful ways? Sure. I mean, our sin, the sin that so easily entangles, I say this all the time, really does easily entangle. And when we're feeling angry, anxious, frustrated, disrespected, attacked for the umpteenth time about the same thing over and over again, it becomes a fleshly default, a sinful default to react angrily. So let's just be really clear and, and, and try to say this as concise as we can, because for example, when my mom was showing that righteous anger, that is a reaction. And so there is a good reaction and there is a sinful reaction. Can we just pull that apart real quick before we dive into the rest of our podcast for people? How can we know which one is good and which one is not good? Well, I think the reason I asked you the question about your response was that that's telling. So is is the way that we're expressing our anger scaring our children? And are, is it scaring them? Are they afraid of us? Are they yeah. afraid of me? Or are they rising up with their own anger to meet our anger with their anger so that they're feeling, you know, so now my child is feeling controlled and they're going to do what they need to do to feel like they're in control, which is rise up and be angry back. And that's what, and then there's this dynamic that I'm, that we're teaching our kids. So, you know, I think it's very important to watch both our own logic Like, can we articulate why we did what we did through a logic that works first for us? You know what? I rose up with that anger because, you know, my belief that God has better for us, better for you, uh, that's part of it. But then I also did it in a way, it, it was never my intent to scare anybody or to control anybody or to get you to do what I need you to do be in order to be okay. And I think that's a big part of it. If if I'm expressing my anger for the purpose of getting another person to do what I need them to do in order for me to stop feeling angry, then that's unrighteous anger. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we don't just understand that without reflecting on what just happened. You know, Lynn, you I talk about this often. When she had her anger struggles, she was constantly in her journal trying to pick it apart, understand it. What was what was the godly motive? What was the selfish motive? What was the reactive thing that I did that was scary? What do I want to submit to the Lord as I'm growing and trying to figure this out? And I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, we're never going to get it just right. Confessed my anger over the years, over and over and over again. And I still, you know, I could probably reflect on the last days and say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still, yeah. I still have an anger that might present more, more maturely now, more sophisticated, but it still is. It's still got the same heart of selfishness of just mm-hmm. wanting life to go my way. But I want to just give voice to the fact that you have changed so much in the area of anger. I mean, I think we both have. So I do want to give hope to, to listeners of, yes, it can and does get better yep. over the years as you are walking in grace. And <laughs> it was a privilege for me reading through some of these comments from parents of just how much they're walking in faith through this hard issue of struggling with anger. 
And that faith example is a really big deal Mm -hmm. to your kids because your kids are going to be angry in life. So how are they going to watch you process that and respond when it happens to you? Yeah. Hmm. What is some of the common mental health and also really everyday language around anger that we need to take a look at? Well, a common term today is just triggers, you know, trigger alert, trigger warning that really triggered me. There's a lot of language around triggers. And I just did some poking around about that. And I really like what Healthline had to say about that. In mental health terms, a trigger refers to something that affects your emotional state, often significant by causing extreme overwhelm and distress. A trigger affects your ability to remain present in the moment. It may bring up specific thought patterns or influence your behavior. And then it went on to say, the more casual use of trigger warnings usually comes from a good place, but it can sometimes have unintentionally negative impact for people dealing with trauma. And that just really struck me because, you know, a trigger is like this automatic thing. You know, you pull the trigger, boom, there's an explosion. And there are certain people whose trauma has been so severe, their brain pretty much functions that way. But it tends to, in the first place, maybe sort of diminish the real stress and pain of that kind of trauma, and then elevate our day-to-day situations to be something we're not really in control of. I got triggered. Uh, you know, my kids do this and I blow up. And I think that to think about that differently, maybe in terms of, you know, if you want another popular term buttons, you know, because your kids can push your button, you can go, yeah, "Yeah, that button's deactivated. Well, I'm thinking of fuse too. Like the fuse got lit. Oh yeah. We can snip the fuse before it blows up. If Mm -hmm. the fuse is lit, right? The word trigger as it relates to everyday parenting. And I never heard of it until just the, the recent few years. And then it popped up in in this context, Lynn, of the of this greater awareness we have of trauma that's that's very real mm-hmm. for so many that they have gone through that is very deep and very difficult to get a hold of and understand where a thing happens and they don't they don't even know why, but it, it causes this, you know, fearful, instant protective, terror. instant terror and yeah. fear reaction. And the truth is that even the word trauma is very overused and used for even small things. And I've seen articles on us being, you know, to be careful about, about that too. So what I hear you saying is that even the word trigger makes us think, Hey, I'm out of control. I got triggered. I'm not responsible for, you know, my reactions in the moment. And we'd like to say "Mm, back up a little bit. We actually do have control. We can choose how we think and how we react. And we know as people of faith, God has has given us a spirit of self-control. That's who we are. So Lynn, what's a better way to think about this? I think just recognizing every angry emotion that I've got is a chance to just like bring God's grace into it. And you are going to react. You are going to have those bad days. Those my, my son described it as mom, you burst it all over us. Yeah. But that there is such an opportunity for grace in that. And I'm seeing a spiritual director who made this statement, and I'm still sort of processing it, but I think it's worth talking about. You can't change what you can't accept. So in other words, Hmm. we have to embrace, you know what, I have a I have a tendency for a fair amount of anger, (laughs) but God is at work and he has made me a passionate person. And so I want to bring his grace into those moments in powerful ways. And I think that that's more a path towards change in this area than, oh, I just have got to deal with this anger of mine because then that throws shame into it. 
And then if I am successful, I feel really good about me versus it's all about bringing God's grace into these angry situations and knowing his mercy rises higher than the level of my anger ever can. We're going to go to break, but I can't wait to pull this apart. Even in in role plays, I I think about the parent who just wants their child to change, you know, because if they have that perspective that their buttons are getting pressed, then it's the child that might need to change, not me. So we're going to pull that all apart after the break. Sound good, Jim and Lynn? Sounds great. Sounds good. Hi, friends. Stacy here. I want to tell you about a free resource that you can get today called Helping Kids with Anger. Anger is an emotion that all of us have, both kids and parents. We've all experienced it. It looks different depending on the personality. Sometimes it's slow and simmering, and sometimes it's surprising and explosive. But no matter how it shows itself in your home, it can be hard to know how to manage. It can be especially hard when identities start to get formed around anger. Well, if this topic of anger hits home for you, we have an ebook that integrates both biblical truth and brain science. It's designed to help you equip your children to manage their anger and emotions rather than just stop the behavior. You'll also learn how to work on your own anger first so that you can respectfully and constructively help your children work through their own big emotions. Head to our show notes and follow the link to download our Helping Kids with Anger ebook and take steps towards peaceful parenting and connection today. All right. Well, we're back after the break. We're talking about anger today. And as promised, we're going to get practical now in our second half of today's podcast. And to do that, I want to ask Jim and Lynn, how have you moved past the buttons that we just talked about? The You know, we're not going to use triggers anymore. When your kids press those buttons, how did you move past the old reactions? How about, yeah, Lynn, do you want to start and then we'll go to Jim? Sure. For me, it was really identifying those truth phrases that I would just shift to automatically, you know, like what's the opportunity here? Or this child is just having a hard time. And it was cool going through all the descriptions in what parents said was helpful for them in the survey. There was so much of that to just go right to your, those key phrases, have them sitting around, um, looking at them, you know, and, and really entering into those. And then when it doesn't go so well, just inside building questions. What, what was my blocked goal? Why was this so important mm-hmm. today? One mom said, am I angry at myself? This week, I got very frustrated with messy room. And I asked myself, why is it such a big deal? I think it's because I feel like a failure teaching my kids to organize and clean up. And I don't know how to get them to get through to them in that matter. That kind of insight then can trigger a truth phase of, okay, this is about me wanting to teach a good thing. So how can I partner with my kids instead of blow up about their messy room? Mm. So that process, it's all woven up between my identity, the child of God with some big feelings, but some beliefs under the surface. And I can get insight into those through thoughtful questions. So I hear you saying that you, and I know Jim, you've talked about Lynn's habit of reflection (laughs) and we've heard so much about that, that Lynn, we even have that in the how to grow workshop. I just gave that to a group 
this past week. How do we build into our lives a habit of reflection? And that's reflection of ourselves and asking the question, why am I acting, thinking, behaving the way yeah. I am? Well, and I think, you know, that that habit of reflection is where we get to a place of acceptance of of the mess of me. And only when I can come to the acceptance of the mess of me, can God's mercy start to interact with me effectively. And, you know, when I was a young dad, I had, I was very resistant. Like nobody ever talked to me about these things and we were trying to figure it out as we went. And, you know, we were starting to teach connected families principles and we'd seen some good impacts, but, but I was also a guy who in my expressive way, you know, would frequently, you know, once or twice a week, get pretty big with my expressions of anger. I, and, and, and it was a reaction. It was a button push and I would justify it in the name of a, these kids need to learn and B, this is how I am. Cause Lynn would say, why do you feel the need to be so assertive <laughs> with your, with your energy? <laughs> Sometimes I'd call it that. <laughs> and, and in her best moments, she, she said it that way. You know, I, I would just answer, this is, this is just who I am. It's how God made me. I hadn't come to that place of acceptance of the mess of me. I hadn't done the reflective work. I hadn't done. And for me, I, I mean, I'd sit down to write in a journal and after three minutes, I'd be writing about the bird I'm looking at outside because I'm all <laughs> distracted by that. So then I quit journaling and then I would go on walks and I would try to have, you know, long, thoughtful talks with God. And the best I learned how to do early on was just repeat a couple of simple Bible verses over and over and over again, and then begin to be reflective. And, you know, for me, it really was a verse that I memorized because of my own anxiety, anger expressions, be anxious in nothing. And I would replace the word anxious with anger frequently, be angry in, at nothing, uh, but in everything with prayer, thanksgiving, and petition. In uh, Yeah, what are the three? There's prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Make my requests known to God, and the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard my heart and my mind. And that was the best I could do. I didn't, you know, the ref I acted a way I didn't want to act. It was reactive. It was anxious. It was angry. It was selfish. It was my button. There's a mess of me that needs to, to get unsorted here. The best I could do to get started was to just admit that and then submit that to God. You uh, admitted and it and you submitted it, but then you pulled yourself back and you went for the walk. Well, sure. The admitting and the submitting happened in the context of the walk, but you're, yeah. the, for, I learned, I got to back away from this. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't need to pound my fist. And it wasn't so much the fist pounding. It was the remnant feeling of sort of justification. And, and I, you know, I found myself in loop saying, yeah, I, I, I get to do this because I'm the dad and I deserve respect. Mm -hmm. I hadn't earned it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, I had to get to a place where I could see that and reflect on that. And, and so, you know, the walks, there was more thinking and, and but it was all a, a random jumbled sort of mix of, of new awareness old Bible verses, confession that I've got a button that gets pushed and I don't have to react this way. I don't have to respond this way. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that's, you know, I, I could, and have written more about that in different places. That's the short of it. Yeah. Cause our son recently called. <laughs> I love it when Lynn gets teary, <laughs> she's about to tell a story and then has to cry for a second first. You can see I love smile. it, Lynn. <laughs> our son recently said that Jim was the most gracious person he'd ever met. That's beautiful. That's a lot of change. Yeah. He wouldn't have said that when he was 10. Mm -mm. That's really beautiful. And I know that that's hard work and it's a joining with the work that the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do to make those changes over the years. Yeah. And to God be the glory. I mean, I still feel like the same person. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> there still is a mess of me left mm-hmm. to be uncovered and redeemed. And yeah, I mean, it's a work of God that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. The day of Christ is when I'm joined one-to-one face-to-face with my Savior. And there's still st- there's still a mess of me in there and buttons that can get pushed. And I've learned to not be so reactive when it happens. But, you know, I still feel a lot of the same feelings I have for most of my life. I've just learned to take a step back, to take a breath, to invite God into my thinking, my responses, and be more thoughtful and considerate of God's work in me, and to respond in a more spirit-led manner, as opposed to my messy self-button-pushed manner. (laughs) Well, since you brought up buttons again, and, you know... The people in our community that are listening to this are people who are getting their buttons pressed each day and they're in the thick of it and we feel for them. Mm-hmm. We know how that feels. We know how it is to have multiple kids and all around and the noise and the distractions, all the things. So I wonder if you could role play some of the buttons. Now from the survey, you know, our unscientific and air quotes survey that we did, people told us the three top buttons, if we're calling them that, are when there's sibling conflict, the kids are picking on each other. Another one, talking back and sassing was a big one. And the third highest was just disobedience. The kids aren't, you know, doing what I asked them to do. The fourth one was stalling to get out the door. It's the get out the door syndrome. Wow. I remember that one. It was a big one too. So I wonder if the two of you could just set up a a role play and just walk people through, you know, what that could look like to start working on not getting your buttons pushed and what a different reaction would look like. So I, I want to set it up a little different than that, Stacey, because I think most parents are at a place, you know, and, and I alluded to this just a minute ago, I, I still get my buttons pushed. The issue isn't whether I get my buttons pushed. The issue mm-hmm. is I recognize that's what's happening and what do I do next? Because, you know, the default that's in every one of us as parents is my kids did something. And the reason that I did what I did was because of what my kids did. There's not a recognition in that statement of my kids did something, it pushed something in me, it pushed a button in me. And when that button got pushed, I reacted and did this. So there's really three things going on, not two. And I want to, you know, I want to suggest that what we're going to role play is how to recognize my buttons are getting pushed and then, and then react and respond differently when that happens. So, you know, I, to do the sibling thing, we're going to have to, you know, have Lynn and Stacy <laughs> get in a little bit of a, a fight with each other here, I guess. <laughs> okay. About, about something. How about get out of my room? So one child goes into another uh, room. Yeah. So it could be get out of my room, get out of my space. So I'm a parent. I'm listening to kids fight about, you know, one of them being in the other's stuff and being in the other space. So you two go ahead. And what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to, I'm going to do like a little timeout sign for freeze frame. Like let's freeze frame this for a minute. Cause I want to really dig into the button, especially in this first role play a little bit. Okay. Get out of my room. I did not say you could come in my room, Lynn. You're so selfish. I just Girls. wanted to come in and look at your clothes. Girls, you oh my gosh. No. Get out. Nope. Get nope. out. Why don't you just slam the door and, and put a big sign? Stacy is selfish. Okay, freeze frame. Ugh. In the parental role, my buttons are getting pushed because we've talked about this. We've set up a plan. I don't know what's happening with these two. It's happening again. And I'm feeling 
unheard. So, so here's my button. It's getting pushed. And underneath the surface of that button, I'm feeling unheard. I'm feeling disrespected because they, they didn't listen to the stuff that we set up to do before. And I'm recognizing that whenever my button gets pushed like that, I start yelling from afar. I come in angry and it makes things worse, not better. So this time when my button's getting pushed, I started down that road. You heard me but I'm going to come in differently and you won't be able to see this because this is a podcast, but the girls will know because I slammed, I'm going to come in and I'm just going to stand there for a little bit and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to smile and I'm going to be praying. Lynn, get out of my room. I didn't say you could come in my room. Selfish all the time. Little Miss Boundaries. You're supposed to ask and you did not ask. Girls. Get out. Oh No, I'm going to stay. No, it's my room. Uh, my room. Yeah. Move. What, Dad? That's a lot. Yeah. Of, a lot of groaning from two not quite grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> this is what comes so, so freeze. This is the kind of stuff. He's that, in my room. No, no, no. Freeze frame. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that can come to parents. I mean, I know that's sort of almost corny, but it's when we come in in a different way with a different presence. It's really a presence of, you know, so I did a little work, prayed and got in touch with maybe even what God was doing with my girls and, and access the fruit of the spirit that's there inside me. And so all of a sudden I'm able to smile and make kind of a little funny. Now the girls might not like it. They might think that it's stupid and corny, but I'm light and I'm in a different place. And just because I came into the room and was present with a smile and breathing slowly and a calm countenance, the girls settled down without me saying a word. Did you catch that girls? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're in a role play and Stacy's 15 miles away. We're doing a zoom deal here and you, <laughs> yeah. you can feel that dynamic. Can't you? Yes. So I, I recognized my button was getting pushed. I stopped yelling from afar. I gained a sense of God's work in me to come in and be present and just be with them in it. Does that sound like what maybe I learned from God in my own little journey before I came into the room? Just be with God. Is God with us in the middle of this, no matter how it goes? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll never leave you or forsake you, even if you don't respond graciously to your children. But when I know that, it helps me to respond more graciously with my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we always say role plays could go any of a thousand different directions, but I think that's enough for this one. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, so what do we do with them when they, well, that's not the point right now. That's a, we've made an online course about that. You can go look at it. Right. Yeah. This is about what's going on with me, the parent. Yeah. I actually want to do a replay and have you guys be little and I'll be the parent and you be little kids. Because if I'm a parent of a preschooler right now, I'm going, I don't relate to that. They'll just wind up until they're slugging each other. What would you think about doing that again? Yeah. Quickly, where Jimmy just hit Stacy and they're yelling and I'm going to come in. And I took the toy and I'm going to run away with it, even though it's hers. Yep. And I'm going to come in. My thinking will be strong, kind, authoritative, with a focus on what's the opportunity here? Because that was the thing that just was so helpful for me. It's what I know how to do. Let's go. You're like five and three or something. You're not old enough for that truck. Give me that truck. Don't. This is so hard. It. You love that. He truck. hit me. Casey, you love oh. that. How did you get hurt, sweetie? Oh, it hurts. Truck, He's don't mean. Oh, that's He's so, so mean. Yeah. Oh, but it's, it's, uh, she doesn't know. She's not old enough for mm. 
She's a girl. Girls couldn't play with trucks. I <laughs> mean, girls sometimes do drive trucks. Oh. Yeah. Do you need a hug, Stacy? Did you get hurt? Yes. It's yeah. hard. Oh, I want she a got, hug. She got I want a hug. Oh, well, I'm glad you told me. I'd love to give you a hug, too. So in the quick freeze frame, yeah. Lynn got between us. She's got her hands on both of us. She's pulling <laughs> my computer down. But she's pleasant. <laughs> she's calm spirited, even though she's got a lot of energy going on, which is another way that you can learn when your buttons get pushed to come in. Like, but you have to recognize your button is getting pushed so that you can let go of that default response, button pushed, frustration, anger, fast paced. I'm going to come in and I'm going to solve it as the parent and learn big, large, loud, big, large, and loud. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come in. I should, so she came in. I was big, large, big and, loud. and large and loud, but with a calm heart, but not on the mm-hmm. attack. She wasn't mm-hmm. on the attack. Uh, I didn't sense that she was trying to get me. I, I sensed that she was trying to get between us. Mm-hmm. So it's about a different goal. And uh, one mom wrote, that it was a light bulb for her when she read your goals are being blocked, which makes you angry. And she realized my goal was to have a happy, easy life with happy, wonderful children and a doting husband. Our struggles with our, our challenging child were blocking my goals, which is why I was angry all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's that thing of, I entered those sibling conflicts after about a year of entering with, why is he doing that again? I began to enter sibling conflicts with what's the opportunity here. And I could shift right away to that goal. And I rarely went into that trigger one sibling conflict into that push. I rarely went into a state of having pushed buttons when sibling conflict Mm -hmm. happened because that became such an automatic response. What's the opportunity here? Mm -hmm want them to learn to resolve conflict well, want them to feel understood. Yeah, we invited parents, you know, especially talking about very practical things like this, like, okay, when your buttons get pushed, and you come in and do what you do, what are your goals? Not about even the kids behavior so much, but about about you, what are your goals for yourself in this? And are those goals that you have for yourself aligned with, with the goals of being formed into the likeness of Christ or not? And for most of us, the answer is no, it's not the same. It's different. All right. Well, how do you want to reflect on that? What do you want to do to think about that? And my work early as a dad was, I want to bring this thing that the Bible calls the fruit of the spirit. It's not a bunch of different fruits, by the way. It's components of one hunk of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. I wanted to be a dad who brought that stuff to my kids' conflicts and and when my buttons got pushed. That's good. What is the goal that we have? And what is the goal when we're dealing with the issues of life? We're dealing with sibling conflict. We're dealing with sassing or disobedience or the stalling at the door. How do we want to bring the fruit of the spirit? And how do we want to show up with our kids? Thanks, Jim and Lynn, for demonstrating your journey with this in each of your lives and really being mentors to all of us as you described that and then role-played it for us. We really appreciate it. It's been fun. A trip down memory lane. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until next time, you guys. Fun to be with you. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. Go to our show notes to download Jim and Lynn's free anger ebook. And while you're there, please rate and review so others can find us more easily. And if this podcast has been helpful, consider sharing it with a friend. For more information, go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.